Welcome back, Padawans, to the Wannabe Jedi Podcast. Do you remember last episode when we were right? Because Matt and I sort of laid out the entire plot, plot entire plot of this episode. And we were talking about this, and maybe Josh, you can, you know, pull in the audio <laughs> here. I was I said something like, Oh, he's gonna be on the top of the mountain. We're not gonna be really sure if he called out or not, and Mando's gonna be like, Come on, kid, and he's gonna be like, ah! <laughs> and then the Empire is going to get him. We said yes. that, didn't we? I, I vividly was, remember tell... that all of the listeners out there now have to tell three friends about this podcast. I, I vividly remember that part. Oh, that's true. Yes. Oh, that yeah. is true. <laughs> anyway, this episode was a heck of a time, I would say. And a Character got his uh, merch uh wear back if you would uh, <laughs> wink wink <laughs> wink wink if you uh if you uh get what i mean so uh he's just I a simple man to trying to make his that. way in the universe no the, no the galaxy when he said the that. galaxy galaxy sorry I, galaxy. I, uh, i'm sorry I, I i guys i loved this episode to death and i have like a, a like a short like like little thing gosh so mandalorian takes a lot of influences from a lot of movies and I've seen a lot of movies and and in a lot of episodes I can pick out oh that's from that that's from that the biggest influences I think it takes been taking recently are from old westerns there's a director of old spaghetti westerns named Sergio Leone Uh, he directed a movie called a fistful of dollars and in that movie the main character is walking down the street and some guys make him mad and so he turns around starts walking towards him and he walks past a woodworker and he says get three coffins ready and then he goes and talks to these four guys and shoots them. And then, like, super calmly walks back and says, my mistake, four coffins. That is, like, perfectly describes, like, Mandalorian's personality, right? <laughs> and all the stuff that he does and everything. And so, yeah. in the last episode with, like, the shootout at the end and the sword fight, which takes some influence from the end of Kill Bill, which is another movie from the late 90s, I was like, oh, man, this is great. The film influences are really strong. We get to this episode, and I'm like... Where is this taking influence from? I know that I've seen a streamlined plot like this. Like they've got to protect the 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 sci-fi action while while they are, you know, they've got to protect one person doing something or a group of people doing something while there's an onslaught of troopers. And I'm like, where is this from? And I realized that kind of streamlined, simplified plot that's really like candy, you just sort of eat it up, that's Star Wars. <laughs> yep. We're to the point where it's taking the whole genre is taking influence from itself. It's not just like other Star Warsception. And it reminded me. Oh yeah, Star it reminded Reception. me of Rogue One. It it reminded me of Rogue One where they're outside yes. and they're trying to protect getting getting inside, and the stormtroopers are in waves coming through. It reminded me of Episode Six when they're at the bunker and the, and they gotta they gotta hold uh, off while they try to blow the bunker up. Yeah, that's exactly what I, that was actually my first point that I wanted to highlight today was that it gave me such strong third act rogue one vibes, except Uh for the fact that Darth Vader actually ends up getting the plans back. Well, Moff Gideon ends up getting baby Yoda back. No, no, I'm I'm saying like, yeah. yeah, 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 So that's like the one difference Uh was that rogue one, they actually escape versus they don't. But, oh gosh. Can can we talk about one thing? The uh, razor crest blowing up. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You that know was one funny thing that I didn't, they, I didn't see coming. Yeah, they they released like the Razor Crest uh, Lego set like what not even <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Well, well yeah. And I now they're like, the oh, you might as well get it because now supplies are limited. Uh, well, 
Well, that just means that the next version will come out in a commercial that's like, the new season two, Razor Crest, build the ship, blow it up, and make the rescue. Um, yeah, there was a, a TikTok out there that had a uh, person saying, oh, you can spend $130 to get the Razor Crest. Or you can go through, rummage through your old Legos and just have dispersed with, with Mando with a spear. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. I loved that the... I love that the spear survived. Yeah, I think that that's an uh, that's an excellent little MacGuffin device. And I know I said earlier in the season that you know, hey, you've introduced lightsabers and you've introduced the dark saber, and you know they're meant to clash, so they will. We've established that the spear also blocks lightsabers, so I'm going to revise my very early prediction and say that at some point there will be a duel between wielders of those Moff two weapons. Gideon and I'm looking and forward to that. Mando, somebody. Yes. Well. <laughs> Let's, to restore uh, honor to the Mandalorian Creed right. with the dark, dark saber, yeah. There's another thing that I want to just note that I don't – I've got a couple questions for you both, which is – the question is, where is Mando's disintegration rifle? He doesn't have it. Is it blown oh, yeah, up in the point. Razor Crest? I think he left it on the Razor Has, Crest. I, I would imagine yeah, so. That is a shame. I don't think he's used it since the first episode, right? He's He hasn't – that is a shame because it is one of yeah. his iconic weapons. Just saying, if he has the spear, if he has his pistol, if he has his jetpack, if he has his disintegration rifle, like that's a look. <laughs> so, do you think it's... the only thing that we could we could see is that Boba Fett stole it back because in Episode Five, Vader strictly says no disintegrations. He had probably that's lost true, his disintegration true. rifle. What if Boba you know, stole it? <laughs> you know, you guys have. You know, I think a little bit on stream and a little bit outside have been talking about that uh, Lego Star Wars holiday special. Mm -hmm. And the original Star Wars holiday special had an animated cartoon that was Boba Fett's first appearance. Yes. And Boba Fett's rifle in that animated cartoon is the disintegration rifle from, from Mando. So I agree that it's a very, like, iconic sort of weapon now that it's brought into the live action ethos. And I am sad to see it go for sure. I, I'm yeah. I'm gonna say because we we did not see, like we saw Boba exit the razor or go into the razor crest and exit, but we didn't see all he took. We knew that he took back his armor, understandable. So I wonder if maybe he took a couple of the weapons and was like, "That was mine too," or, quote unquote. You know, could have. If you saw the holiday special, you would know that that one was mine. Like, <laughs> he starts like hinting at like real life stuff. That'd be oh, hilarious. Boy. Yeah. So speaking of, well, Josh, you had a second question, but after that, I want to address the bantha in the room. <laughs> the bantha with this episode. So go, go ahead with your second question. Yeah, I think that was my question. I think that was just the. I don't know, because I mean, he'll get his jetpack back because he put it down on the ground, and like that was okay. I was thinking about it. Like Mando, you could have went, went to go get your jetpack, and you could have saved Baby Yoda, but that that needed to happen. Like they had that shot where he they showed him putting it down that needed to happen in order to move the plot forward because he would if he didn't have his jetpack then he would be able to go up to the top of the mountain easily yeah and save save baby yoda but grogu. what did you sorry grogu <laughs> you're you're offending a lot of people out there i i know I he's know. more than just his species we don't say din Djarin every time every time we say mando so no we, we don't can at say all the child of baby no yoda. it's fine <laughs> yeah i'm i'm more just messing with josh that is something I wanted to highlight was the like the terrain and and the makeup of Tython. And as the resident 
old republic expert here i did want to highlight the fact that tython in legends was this forested almost like alderaan looking planet for the most part high mountainscapes lots of trees and this looked like a, a basically like a barren desert that had gotten destroyed mm-hmm. well it looks like it looks like california <laughs> yeah <laughs> which, looks... which realistically they probably filmed it in california and they they had those shots it was a way for them to social distance i, I don't think we ever saw any of them come within six feet of one another if, if yeah. i remember looking at it correctly so it was probably a way for them to safely social distance while filming while outdoors because they had to be outdoors there's a so there's like a line of demarcation outside of los angeles where if you if you shoot outside that line or outside the radius i think it's like 30 miles outside la or something uh you don't have to pay people according to like union laws for actors which is why like if you watch any episode of star trek it's it's the same terrain for every alien planet and it looks a lot like that because that's where a lot of television shows shoot alien-ish worlds i like the uh, mortar trooper <laughs> the mortar trooper. oh yeah that's something we should highlight for sure yeah oh he, we the, did get to see guy? a new stormtrooper and i actually really like the design of it yeah mortar's very interesting to me especially considering he planted the mortar in the wide open to get shot at didn't quite understand that yeah. part <laughs> well i mean and it doesn't E-Wan. take a, a big iq no. to graduate stormtrooper school <laughs> true good point good point if yeah, do you see them can shooting it, it's can. Like, it's like they just go like pew. They're not even like aiming down the scope. They're just going pew pew. <laughs> yeah. There was also another thing I wanted to highlight where I guess this kind of conflicts with what we saw with the landscape. Again, we know with the times that most likely it was because that that was just the best that they could do for a Tython at the time. But like in the Doctor Afra series, it's known for like its ice caps mm, and wow. like frozen lakes and, and everything. So obviously it was very desert and so maybe something changed or 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 something along those lines from when dr afra takes place to when mando takes place i don't think it would result in that so it's kind of it's very interesting how there there is some conflicting points yeah yeah for sure star wars is always very much like oh if it's if it's a planet it's all going to be one environment just to simplify things and it's weird when that doesn't happen it's it's kind of ridiculous to say that all of scarif is beaches yeah because (laughs) to have beaches you have to have ocean so by definition it can't all be beaches a planet's gonna have two separate hemispheres no matter what with the rotation around the star that they that they're around so and it would have seasons just just naturally from how we understand physics and the universe yes i actually because i i work on some some space projects i i know a little bit about seasons on other worlds like Titan, which is a moon of Saturn, has seasons that last like years on Earth. The season cycle on Titan is like, God, I don't even remember how long it lasts, but it's a long time. Mm-hmm. That's but that's beside the point. It doesn't look like you expected, and that disappoints me because I wanted you to come back and be like, that's exactly like Typhon in the in the Old Republic, and that kind of yeah, makes me sad. Don't get me wrong; like I, I still love the look of it. Thought it still fit pretty well, given what we were working with. But I was kind of envisioning it being this grand temple, not just these ruins at the very top. I was envisioning that. So I just didn't live up to what I envisioned, but it wasn't bad by any stretch. I still loved it. Okay. I I can settle for that, I suppose. Um... Another thing I wanted to highlight with the fight and the waves, as we already highlighted of of stormtroopers, the waves of stormtroopers, you had the gun set up, you had the, the mortars, 
that also reminds me of a lot of Vietnam movies and, and literature that I've read, where you have the assault on the mountaintop and you have the enemy, in this case, actually the good guys, dug in at the top holding off the the other side from storming the top of the mountain which was very common in vietnam was that there there would be different there there'd be stations and and like outposts that were on hilltops on mountaintops and you would have to assault that hilltop right and it's as brutal as it sounds because they literally have the high ground so they are dug in way in way stronger positions and it, it took some influence from movies like like the Thin Red Line from the late '90s, which is where where the the main characters are the ones assaulting and not the the you know the stormtroopers. But I, I see what you're saying, and you can sort of take influence in fight choreography as well as just you know general plot from so, sort of things like that. Not that you know Boba Fett beating some up beating like 18 people up with a gaffy stick is. Is exactly oh, that was amazing. That oh, Tamar Morrison did amazing with that. And there is something I want to highlight with that that goes back to Morrison's roots as a Fijian. Oh, the yeah. gaffy mm-hmm. stick is actually shaped similar to a traditional Fijian club weapon that they used back, you know, in, in like the founding of Fiji and the different tribes that were around Fiji. So it was a great way to kind of call in his history and and using it in battle within Star Wars. I also thought it was funny because, you know, when when Han Solo's like, Boba Fett, where? And he turns around, bumps Boba Fett's jetpack. He does so with a gaffy stick. It's like Boba Fett's well, like, well, this weapon defeated me. I'm going to use it now. (laughs) How poetic. (laughs) Since we are kind of transitioning over to Boba Fett, Twitter has been kind of blowing up because I've been very vocal about disliking Boba Fett. And, and thinking that he's the worst bounty hunter in Star Wars. I will strike that from the record. He is not the worst bounty hunter in Star Wars. Aura Singh took that over after our Aura Singh. Aura flippin' Singh. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. <laughs> so I, I will say for the listeners out there, specifically Alberto, because I know you, you are very passionate about Boba Fett. He did grow on me a little bit with this episode. I love I loved the history of the gaffy stick being used and, and how it represented the Fijian culture. He did grow on my scale for me, but the Clone Wars kind of still has that sour taste in my mouth for me. So I still, I, I I still can't see him. I see him more as, than just a whiny kid at this point, but the whiny kid still is uh, in my memory. Yeah, I agree with my, you. My thing about Boba Fett... I, I grew up with uh, with the old expanded universe post Endor, and then the the prequel started coming out, and Boba Fett, you know, survived an old Legends canon, and 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 there was a lot of explanation about him, but I don't remember explanations about his origin. And Boba Fett was always cool because he was mysterious, right? And the moment that you sort of start to peel back the veil, he loses some intrigue, and so Boba Fett was really high on my on my bounty hunter scale because. You know, there were a lot of questions like, "Who is he?" He was, he was, he was a mystery box in the classical sense of the word. And then the prequels were what knocked him down a couple pegs because he went from this cool, awesome bounty hunter that you know barely spoke and was very, you know, cold and calculated and awesome, and he had cool action figures that fired rockets. He went from that to this kid, and I wasn't a huge fan of that. On yeah. the other, uh, on the on the other side of it, I don't think that they sacrificed any mystery about him. In, in, in bringing him back 
there's a lot of and and I I I I thought they brought him back with enough spice that I don't really I don't really care. I was just so happy. <laughs> oh man. I'm cool with him being back. I I still disagree with like the Sarlacc pit. Uh, however, seeing how strong Beskar armor is, I can understand how he survived it. The one thing that I don't like is he clearly had to use the Beskar armor to survive in that Sarlacc. So when he got out of the Sarlacc pit, how did he lose his armor? That'll be an interesting story to hear about. I'm sure that they'll they're going to go into detail with it. In the in the novel, one of the aftermath novels, they do have a brief probably paragraph or a little bit of seeing Boba Fett's armor outside the Sarlacc pit and it showed like I think there was like some kind of steps away from it so I don't know what the story was but yes it would be interesting to see if they portray it in any media but maybe a flashback yeah maybe because Jabba died maybe the Hutts thought that Boba caused it to some degree. Yeah. So he's a wanted man because of it. So he's like, I got to ditch this armor. No one knows what I look like without my armor. Maybe it's something like that. I'd be interested. I'd be interested in a story. Well, it also could be the acidity. And they kind of of retconned the book a little bit, saying like that the the armor was damaged beyond repair from the uh, acidity of the the Sarlacc stomach acid. So... Like that, that that notion in the book or that the note in the book is retconned a little bit. So well, just like the Ahsoka novel, they kind of retconned a little bit. They, yeah. it's, you know, <laughs> if a character said that in a book, it doesn't have to be omniscient. It could be something that they heard, and then that could have been something that that person heard. What I think is most likely is, you know, he blasted out of the Sarlacc pit, what have you, and then you know hit the sand, and after that trauma, might have lost consciousness. Very much like the first Iron Man movie when he blasts out of the people holding him ah. captive um and because yeah, jawas ended up with the armor i could see jawas being the scavengers that they are coming across him taking all the valuables like the armor off of him and then leaving him for dead in the desert well uh, i mean they did take the marshal from the first episode that's true but hold he... on i'm i i have i have a theory here now oh, okay so so you mentioned the jawas that makes complete sense Mando already had joined and he said that he had been to Tatooine like plenty of times Uh never knew of a of another Mandalorian there what if he exchanged with the Jawas at that time what if he exchanged or or maybe someone bought the disintegration rifle and he bought it from a vendor so it's actually Boba Fett's (laughs) disintegration rifle and that's why Boba Fett stole it back when he saw it on the Razor Crest that holds up That, that holds up that it, does. Depend, okay. it just depends okay. on that is that is head cannon now. Oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's there's a whole bunch of things for like what could have happened to the armor, but like I know I know for me, the second I saw Slave One, I freaked out uh, in this episode, and mm-hmm. then the second I saw Boba Fett, I freaked out, and then when Ming Wen's character came back, which God I love Ming Wen, she's in Agents of Shield, she's great in that, she's a known like Star Wars nerd to the max, and she was Mulan in the first Mulan. I freaked out with that too. And I wanted to know, because like I said, it is the Bantha in the room. Is it a good thing ultimately that, that he came back? Uh, my, my answer is a resounding yes, gentlemen, but I want to know what you think. I agree. I'm 50, 50. I agree. I think that I get to see a different side of Boba Fett than compared to, like Matt said previously, the Clone Wars, like definitely took away his, his gravitas. Sure. Yeah. His gravitas or, or his, 
his just overall chutzpah. His, yes, his overall chutzpah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I think that seeing him like, especially when he gets his armor back and he shows us like his full potential and matt i w- went back to our episode talking about cad bane and i was like you know that cad bane versus boba fett would have been amazing to see in the clone wars that would have actually not risen. in the clone wars i i would have i would have liked to seen it it would that- it would have to be pre empire strikes back but post clone wars when he is a full-fledged adult i yeah, still but you gotta see because that passing of the, clone of the wars, torch. i still can't get around him being, you know, 13, 14, whatever, whatever his age is during the Clone Wars, and beating Cad Bane. I just, I can't get behind that. Maybe with seeing what he did now, I, I would have to see him as an adult beat him. Otherwise, it just, it doesn't add up to me with seeing how, how much okay. Cad Bane succeeded and thought things out. He would know that yeah. that's a Beskar helmet. He would aim somewhere else. I'd yes it's for me it just doesn't that doesn't hold up um so i'm still 50 50 because i think yeah yeah i think the past will will forever be ingrained into me like the past of boba fett and so anything going forward i still will be thinking about the past boba fett so i i think for me no matter what there's still gonna be that he was just a whiny teen (laughs) that wanted revenge on uh mace and then a band and then got really upset because he couldn't do it so, and then or a or a flip and sing abandoned him so then he's like oh i guess i'll be nice and give you let you guys know where she's going it's just yeah uh, okay but, but yeah, uh yeah, yeah. speaking of going forward because you were talking about that we've got two episodes left we're like mm-hmm. you know we can course correct here and get some more predictions right so bo katan bo katan's coming back for both episodes i totally agree she'll be here for at least one i don't know if ahsoka's coming back i don't think so but I want to see, I mean, the show is called The Mandalorian. I really think if they fall hard onto using the Mandalorians in the show, in the climax, I think that'll be that'll be really positive. I think the next episode and the one after that will be Rescue Attempts for Baby Yoda. I hope that they don't spend the entire next episode getting the band back together. Well, what it left off on was that he needs to break them out of the the one that we saw in the, in the prison. Funny enough, the prison break episode, we need to now do another prison break. In the next episode. I don't think we need a full episode for that. I think that the prison break to get that guy out. And I'm First glad that they're minutes. bringing him back. Yeah. I, I think it'll be the pre, you know, there'll be a little action sequence on a ship or something. And then he'll see Mandalorian and be like, you. And then, well, not exactly that. But then that'll be the doo-doo with the, with the episode title. And we'll get into the rest of the episode. I can see that. I loved, yeah. I, I, I think that. They've got the kid will be the most popular stinger to bring people back in. I don't know if actually Bo-Katan knows about Baby Yoda. Um, her her accomplice, the other Mandalorian, did. Oh, okay, cool. Because remember, she was the hooded figure in in that episode, and that's why oh. they targeted Mando when he was on the ship, and that's why the Mandalorians helped rescue Mando was because she was the hooded figure. I don't remember the hooded figure being a Mandalorian, but I guess I'll have to look back. But still. It I is confirmed. That breaks... was uh, Sasha Banks. That was Sasha Banks. Oh, cool. I, I think that um, the prison break is going to happen in the first five minutes. We'll get a brief band back together. And then the second half of the last second half of the second to last episode will be devoted to, you know, getting to Baby Yoda's position. And the last one will be a child heist. Siege. If you will. Yeah, a siege. But... 
I, I gotta say this really, really fast. I kind of feel bad for Pedro Pascal. Oh yeah. He he signs on to be the the title character, the Mandalorian, and this season no one's talking about Mando that much. Everyone's talking about all the characters they're bringing back. So it, it goes from being his show to being, oh my gosh, look at all these characters we brought back into Star Wars. I, I kind of feel bad. He still is a significant figure. Don't get us wrong. Like he got he is his, still a significant he, figure, he but got he's in the backseat when. That's true. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you. I I, I agree 100. percent I think his range is growing. He's 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 getting more fatherly moments with with the child. Like in the beginning of this episode, yeah. he's got the ball and he's like, "Come on, grab it." The nice I lady. Agree. I agree with you, Matt. Like even though his range is expanding, they are. You know, the, the the lens of this show is focusing away from yeah. him. I think. Yeah, yeah. It feels it feels weird considering the the title episode is the man or the the series is the Mandalorian, and I we I mean we did spend what twenty minutes talking about a Mandalorian, but it was Boba Fett, true. basically. True. So it's very it, it feels very weird. I I hope that we can. I hope that this is just to show that we're they're going to be bringing these characters back it also shows that they are listening to fans about how some of the post endor legends are going to return i think that they're trying to show the the shift in the direction star wars is taking going forward i'm fine with that but i just kind of feel bad because it's supposed to be his show and right at least this season it's not really his show no and I, uh, one last thing is that I want to say, Matt, you know, Mace Windu called Ahsoka the citizen, but Mando called Ahsoka a nice lady. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> there was there was a meme. I, I have to say this meme real fast. It was, why didn't you try to kill me? And Ma- with the interaction between Ahsoka and Mando in the previous episode, why didn't you try to kill me? To which Mando responds, they said to kill a Jedi, not a citizen. <laughs> And then she tur- oh, it's a video- it's a picture oh, of her turning around. Oh my gosh! Oh, oh that oh that hurts. Yeah. That physically hurts. Oh boy. My my predictions. I'll, I'll I'll say this really fast. My prediction. I I'm not sure exactly how these next two episodes are going to go. I like the idea of first five ten minutes being the heist. But then you're gonna have the New Republic now that you're you're wanted by the New Republic now because he broke them out after they specifically said stay out of trouble. So we actually might see Dave Filoni again, which will be very interesting. Not gonna complain mm. about that for sure. <laughs> Won't complain about that at all. No. And then I think it's going to be we need more fire. Like, hey, we know where they are, but we're gonna need uh the best soldiers we know. Who's the best soldiers they know? Hey, by the way, the dark is gonna be there. Uh, Gideon's gonna be there. Let's get Bo-Katan and some of the Mandalorians back. And maybe they don't help right away. And then the end of the episode is going to cut with Mando looking very bleak. Everything's looking really bleak on the assault. And then all of a sudden in the final episode, the Mandalorians are going to show up and it's going to be an all-out assault. For sure. That's my prediction. I also, the more I'm thinking about it, the more I think... Based off of everything that's happened in season two so far, the more I think that Ezra is going to hear the call for the child. Luke, Luke, I, Luke. <laughs> hey, never, um, Josh. Never, Josh. <laughs> I think Ezra will, uh, will will hear the call as well. There's a slim possibility that it'll be Mace Windu, but I think that'll over that'll that'll be like 
oversaturation of fan service. Josh, if if Luke hears the call and shows up and says, "Hi, I'm de-aged Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker," or whatever, I mm-hmm. hmm, what what will what will I do? I will buy a Lego Razor Crest and eat it. If 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 Luke if Luke you know shows what? up, just, just give it to me. I'll, I'll, that that's the all right. Fine. I'll buy you. I'll buy you a Lego Razor Crest. You will not have to consume it. Uh-huh. There you go. But Josh, will you destroy it? Will I destroy it? No, it'll probably go on a, on my shelf. You could just resell it, being like just exclusive destroyed Lego, destroyed Lego Razor Crest. I, I do want to give a shout out eBay. to Ian for getting me the new General Grievous Lego set. It's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> All right, fellas. Love to hear it. This was a heck of a time, let me tell you. Great great episode. I like like I said, overall liked it. I'm I'm excited to see where the remainder of this season goes. Yeah. But yeah. until then, make sure to follow us on our social medias at Wannabe Jedi Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at Wannabe Jedi Cast on Twitter. Our website is wannabejedipodcast.com, and we will see you guys all on Wednesday to talk about Anakin Skywalker and then the final two episodes with Nate for The Mandalorian as well. Yeah. Take care, everyone. May the Force be May with you. I- <laughs> May the Force be with you all. <laughs> I'm leaving that. Yeah. <laughs>